0: Welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. I'm your show host today, Aaron Richards, joined by my co-host and brother in Christ, Dan Demite Dan, hello. Hello, Aaron. How are you? Welcome back to the show. I'm doing so good, so good. And we are here, friends, at the illustrious Damascus Media Studio, and oh, what a joy it is today. Friends, we're, I don't know what day it is when you're listening to this show, but... Here for Dan and myself, we are right smack dab in the middle of what has been an amazing week of staff training and formation. We call it our equip conference here at Damascus, and it has just been a charged week. We have 170 of the most eager and engaged and on-fire young adults that you'd ever meet in your entire life. The atmosphere up here is just absolutely electric, so we've, we've, we've pulled ourselves away for just a little bit to... Record today's show, but man, it's been it's been an awesome week, hasn't it, Dan? Absolutely.
1: Let's uh, why don't we open in a prayer in the name of the Father yes. and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good and gracious God, we're so grateful that you have. Given us the opportunity to have Damascus moments in our lives, those moments where we encounter you like St. Paul encountered you on the road to Damascus, those moments where we come to know that you are living and you are active in our lives, that you are real and tangible. Lord, I pray that you would allow all of our listeners uh, to not have moments with you that they re- uh, recall from the past, but that yes. you would just be a regular daily component of their lives, that they would know your presence with them every
0: single day. Amen. Jesus, give us the grace to say yes to you again, wherever you come and however it is that you want to show us your presence. God, whether it's in the midst of, uh, prayerfully, the turndown of a global pandemic, or whether it's in the midst of a day-to-day routine, God, that you would show us that you're present, you would show us that you're real, and that you would show us that the call you've given us to a life on mission is one that should not go unheard.
1: Mm. We Amen. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You know, Aaron, you mentioned that here at Damascus we're doing our Equip conference. Yes, it's, sir. Uh, it's like a two-week conference where we train and equip our missionaries. So we'll, we have about 150 young adults here that are, uh, are training to become missionaries who will lead young people to an encounter with Jesus. And yep. the reason we call it Equip is it comes from Ephesians chapter 4 where St. Paul, he says... And God gave some as apostles, others as prophets, others as evangelists, others as pastors and teachers to equip the holy ones for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ mm-hmm. until we all attain the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God, right? And that the Lord wants to equip the holy ones for the work of ministry. And I think it's so interesting, Aaron, because um, that it's such a need in our church today to— effectively equip the next generation Amen. with how do we pass the faith on, right? Yeah. How do we do the works that Jesus did, the works of ministry, and allow people to come to encounter Jesus? And
0: that's a question that I don't think a lot of us have an easy answer for, necessarily. You know, we we understand, of course, that the the home is the domestic church. And truly, we, whether it's with our children, whether it's with their peers— whether it's with our coworkers, whether it's with young people at a program that we may volunteer with at church you know every single one of us has a responsibility and an opportunity to pour into the next generation of leaders of the church yeah. and, and and it's 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 truly important that, that we've got a game plan right
1: yeah I love it I, I find that uh, often I like to say that we, we we have a leadership crisis in our church right yeah. that a lot of times the those who are in leadership, are not equipped in in knowing how to pass on that leadership Mm -hmm. to the next generation. Whether that's the person who's been volunteering for the same parish organization for the last decade, and they're still the one who's running that organization, as opposed to equipping those underneath them to to use their gifts as best as possible. And that's really kind of the heart of what we're doing this week, is training and equipping missionaries for the work of ministry, and to do it in a diverse way, right? Like, I love how Paul, he says, some were apostles, some were pastors, some are teachers, some are prophets, some are evangelists, not everyone's meant to do the same thing, and yeah. and not every ministry is meant to look the same way. The, yeah. You want the evangelist out there doing the marketing and reaching out to people and bringing people in, but you need to make sure you have pastors that once those people come in, they, they feel welcomed and loved and seen and heard, you know, and it's like this team mentality in the church that, hey, we're going to cover all the different ministry calls, yeah. and, and we're going to be ready to go.
0: Yeah. Oh, let, let's, uh, let, let's wet our listeners' appetite a little bit. Friends, if you have any young adults that might be interested in a life on mission, um, certainly check out Damascus in our coming seasons, uh, you know, to apply for work here with us as a missionary. But, um, how is it that we're doing it, Dan? You know, we, we, we start our, we start our, our time together with a retreat because we know it's so critical for us to actually call people into, into encounter, into relationship with the Lord, and um, those first few days, I guess the purpose that we had was was to bring people into the the beautiful work that God's been doing through Damascus. And I think the the, the biggest takeaway message for me that was so cool was uh, our our closing night of our retreat time together is that every one of us has access to the Lord to the lord's grace we we talked about how in the old testament it was it was a unique time where god moved powerfully but his access to to the human culture was limited to one or to two people, right? The high priest was the only priest that was allowed into the presence of God, that Moses was the only person that was allowed into the presence of God on the mountain. But here, we, whether young or old, whether equipped or ill-equipped, whether, wh- whether you've got a theology degree or whether you're just, you know, you're picking this stuff up on Catholic radio, um, that every single one of us has a common call to, to not only encounter the power of God, but to be able to communicate it to others.
1: Yeah, if you've never heard uh, this show before, Beyond Damascus, it's uh, one of the things that Aaron and I like to stress is that we're all called to full-time ministry. So maybe you're listening to this and you're like, wait, they're talking about ministry work and leadership in the church, but I'm just a a lay person driving. Yeah, every single, if you're baptized and you're confirmed, you've received the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit have been poured out for you, on you for the sake of mission. And so you're called to a life of full-time ministry, it may be in the home, it may be in the workplace it may be in the church but wherever you're planted the yeah. lord says you're in full-time ministry we want you to bring the gospel where you are yep. and the way you do it is through the presence of god that you have access to the presence of god you have access to the gifts of the holy spirit and you know the tragedy is though a lot of times we're not equipped for that, right? Yeah. And so if you're if you're finding that like I go to work sometimes and I don't know what to say or I don't know how to bring my coworkers into um, into a relationship with Jesus or I feel compelled to say something but I don't know what to do that is the that's a work of God it's a work of grace acting in your life. That is calling you into what, what St. Paul said, uh, a, a hunger for m- mature manhood that you have to get to a point where you, you're, you're learning and you're discovering and you're finding like, where are the resources out there that I can get equipped so that I can share the gifts of the Holy Spirit? I can share the, the gospel with others and help, uh, bring the, the church into the world, Amen. right? It's just that. So if the spirit's convicting you right now. I just want to encourage you, like, if you're feeling like, well, I'm not equipped to share the gospel, like, Find resources, find conferences, find retreats that will help prepare you and equip you for the work of ministry. It's just such a valuable gift. And why are we preparing our missionaries Aaron? That's exactly what is exactly the, the question
0: right? I wanted to ask it's because uh, we have one hundred and seventy young people on site here because our our biggest flagship program here at Damascus Catholic youth summer camp is starting in just a number of days from now we're on a we're on a slightly modified schedule. If you're listening to the show uh, on 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 repeat at some point, we are in the midst of the great year 2020 um, of our Lord. Uh, in... And it's it's been a challenge, friends,
1: <laughs> <laughs> because of COVID nineteen. Ministry, incarnational ministry is always a challenge when you're not allowed to hang out with people. Right? So I'm sure Jesus, when he came into the world, he's uh, if COVID, he'd be like, "Dang, how do I go call I'm, the apostles? I'm, and I'm not allowed else. to leave my mom's house, right?" <laughs> Mary, can I go out?
0: <laughs> yeah. So we we used to have four thousand campers, and now, now we're just we're hoping that the regulations here at Ohio allow us to um, to push up toward the end of the summer. But regardless of how we see them, um, they are our focus and our priority this year. Absolutely. And our work here at Damascus, if you're not familiar with Damascus, is uh, awakening, empowering, and equipping a generation to live the adventure of the Catholic faith through world-class programs in an environment of encounter. And why are we called to that mission? Well, um, Dan and I, we were inspired, and our team was inspired uh, over the last few years through the work of Dynamic Catholic, there was a, a study that was done called the Four Signs Study. And it identified that within ten years of confirmation, we've already heard these statistics. Eight out of ten young people will have left the practice. No, five out of six young people will have left the practice of their faith. And what was what was most um, inspiring about this about this statistic was that the one person that remains, the one out of six that remains committed to their faith, the one thing that was that was unique among them wasn't it wasn't upbringing it wasn't the faith of their parents it wasn't the, the catholic school or the lack of catholic education it was actually a, a spark an event that actually triggered that moment from taking something that had been planted in their heart and actually bringing it to life and here at damascus we're committed to to making those events happen we believe in the power of those moments where god says i've been i've been I've been making you for this, right? I've been building this in you. Whether you are uh, uh, you know, a born and bred Catholic who's had, this, who's had this message preached into you from the day you were born, um, or whether you're a recent convert who's experienced the faith through, uh, through a different church or even new to, the, new to faith completely, it, there's, there's a spark moment where you realize that this is bigger than me. And that God desires to do something powerful in me, and that we ultimately yield ourselves to Him. Yeah. And uh, our, our guest on today's show is—he is, he speaks to that a little bit in in um, in the way that he was brought to the Lord. And uh, uh, you know, we're going to take a break here in just a moment, but um, when we come back. Uh, we're going to have an amazing guest for us, one of the priests who has been with us this week on Equip. He has been preaching fire in all of our sermons uh, throughout the course of this week, and I will speak highly. Dan and I, we were, we were talking before the show started. We, we just celebrated the Vigil of Pentecost um, a number of days ago, and I think it may have been the, the single most impactful experience in liturgy that I've ever had in, in my life. It was just an awesome, awesome evening. So... Um, we're going we're gonna to bring him on shortly after the break. Dan, I just remembered I forgot to open the show today. You by, did. You got <laughs> so. so
1: excited. You never actually said what the show is. The On Damascus is, <laughs> is, a,
0: is, a, is a show. We are a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio. We are so uh, graciously carried across the global EWTN Catholic Radio Network. We're so thankful for our partners at EWTN and St. Gabriel. Friends, we will catch you right after this break. EWTN, Communicating the Faith.
1: And I wanted to tell you guys how great your show is because uh, I listen to you guys for every, every day for the last past five and a half months. It's because of you guys that I came to the Catholic faith. Now I'm going to church on Sunday for the first time because I just got out yesterday from jail. And I got my mom to go too, and my girlfriend is also going with me. Wow. She's willing to give the Catholic faith a try.
2: EWTN, Live Truth, Live Catholic.
0: Hi, this is Jerry and Debbie. Do you want to help us make Take Two even better? Go to TakeTwoShow.com and take the Take Two 60-second survey and help us decide on topics to celebrate our five-year anniversary. This show wouldn't be possible without you, so show us what you want to hear by taking the Take Two survey at TakeTwoShow.com.
2: Just click on the Happy Anniversary card at the top of the page.
0: And join us for Take Two with Jerry and Debbie weekdays at noon Eastern on EWTN Radio. The Wisdom of Mother Angelica.
1: The devil will always do his best to tempt you into sin until you get to that place
2: where you love sin. That's what he wants. He wants you down there with him. And not because he loves you, he hates you. When you do what the enemy tempts
1: you to do, he does it out of pure hatred. EWTN.
0: Live Truth. Live Catholic. And welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Once again, because I forgot for the open of the show, Beyond Damascus is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio here in Columbus, Ohio, and EWTN Radio. It's carried across the global EWTN Catholic Radio Network. Special shout out to our producers, and uh, we are so blessed to be on today's show. Once again, Dan and I are reporting live from our Damascus Media Studio at Damascus in Centerburg, Ohio, and we are in the midst of... Our EQUIP missionary training conference. Without further ado, I want to bring in our special guest for today, Dan. Um, we've known Father James for a couple years, and he has been such a blessing to our ministry. We're so excited. Father James Claver is joining us today. Uh, he is a, a, a brother with the missionary, ser- I'm sorry, with the servants of Christ Jesus. And I love them. I love all of them, and the others are joining us. Are they coming today? today? They're coming today. I'm so excited, friends. Let's welcome Father James Claver.
2: (laughs) Thanks so much. It's a a joy to be with you all. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Father. Uh, Man, it's it's been a joy. Tell me, first of all, how's your experience been this week being with us?
2: Oh, it is such a gift, Uh, especially if I could say after COVID-19 and kind of ourselves being quarantined to be Uh together with other young people and. Uh, In a real sense, to be a father again with a flock that is present (laughs) is so life-giving. So thanks be to God.
1: Yeah, that's it's. Uh, I'm sure I I've, I've felt like it was probably toughest for a priest because, I mean, you, you have this hunger to celebrate the Eucharist for people and how, hunger to hear confessions, and you're not able to. And even, I mean, you're blessed because you live in community, but yes. I was really praying for a lot of our diocesan priests who don't live in community, and just that COVID-19 time was really, I'm sure, brutal for a lot of them. Yes, oh, I would
2: wholeheartedly agree, and thanks be to God, that at least Ohio has opened up some, yeah. and we're able to have—
0: There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. Uh, Okay, so pastors and priests, hear that you heard it here first. If you ever need a place to come and have some respite with an on-fire community, you can come up here and be with us, day or night, COVID or not.
1: (laughs) Absolutely,
0: we might make you wear a mask if. um, (laughs) So, Father, you're one of the uh, you were part of the
1: kind of the startup of the servants of Christ Jesus. So it's a young religious community out of uh, Denver, Colorado. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe you could share a little bit about the community and what it's all about.
2: Sure. So we uh, we started at Franciscan University of Steubenville. Um, there was a uh, residence director who had done his master's there, and um, uh, Father John Ignatius uh, met Father Paul Koska. They were not priests at the time. They were just laymen. Father Paul was um, just a student. And uh, they came together basically saying, we have been looking for certain things in a religious community, mm. and we haven't been able to find it. And they came together and prayed and felt like the Lord was asking them to step out of the boat, to walk on water, to do what Jesus was asking of them. And so, um, we're kind of a, an Ignatian community. So we certainly have uh, roots in Saint Ignatius of Loyola, especially in his spiritual exercises. And we, one of our specialties, I, I would say, one of our charisms is, uh, is spiritual direction. And we also emphasize a lot with the, the joy of the Franciscans and also Franciscan poverty of really trying to have radical poverty. And so, um, Our ministry consists of preaching, teaching, and spiritual direction. We do a lot of retreat ministry, a lot of preaching, whether it's helping out at events like this here at Damascus um, or other high school or college retreats, as well as silent retreats, and um, we also teach. So I've worked six years as a teacher in a a Catholic high school out in Denver and uh, the other brothers and priests have taught as well. And so that's kind of our, our main apostolate. Mm-hmm. And um, we're very, very blessed to be in Denver in a great diocese. And, and we're also blessed to be out here to be able to help out.
1: I love that. You know, it's, it's interesting. Your charism is so similar to ours in that I've noticed that your community seems to be very active, and yet your, your community is also so tight-knit. And I think sometimes— um, The, like what Aaron and I love to say about Damascus is that it's us being mission focused and us going on mission, which is what drives us into a deeper community together. Mm. I think sometimes there's the misconception that if we want to be community, we can't do like as much mission because we have to focus inward and it's actually focusing outward that drives a spirit of camaraderie and community and uh i've noticed that about you how your community seems to be so mission focused and outward focused and yet your brotherhood is so strong which is a blessing
2: yes it it really um it it is it doesn't happen all the time but i would say whenever i'm able to do a retreat alongside my brothers Mm. there is a flourishing of i get to see my brother's gifts shine in a way that we get, we, we understand each other, we get to support each other and we, we work very well together. And, and it's a, it's a tremendous, tremendous blessing to uh, share so much and be able to be on mission together. Yeah. I love it. Well,
0: father James, thanks again for being here at Damascus. Thanks for pouring into our community. Uh, actually we, so we were honored just last, last year. It was really neat. Father, well, father John Ignatius joined us two years ago for the duration of our equip conference. And, we love Father John. I'm sure you love Father John. He's amazing. Yes, he, he's I, incredible. I'm excited to see him today. Um, and uh, at the conclusion of our Equip conference, he said, I want to bring my brothers here yes. next year. So, so last summer, we had at least the majority of the congregation who was here with us for the duration of this week. So for them, um, for you joining us today, you'll not only be here in service, but also to be fed as well. So it's, it's good to co-labor and to grow alongside you. Um Father James, your story is awesome, and Damascus beyond Damascus is the show where Encounter meets mission, and you're living out such an incredible call to mission right now i, I I'd love for the sake of our listeners for us to um, jump into what was that what was that experience that led you to the place where you can be on mission today. Tell us about your story what what's your upbringing like?
2: Sure, thank you so much so. I grew up in Texas. Um, Austin, Texas was home for me. I have one older brother. Um, my parents were both Catholic. My dad was a convert to Catholicism. Yep. And we went to Mass on Sundays. We prayed before meals. I went through religious education, vacation Bible school. That was really, I would say, the extent. It was never anything that was that important. It was. I could see that it was important, but there was nothing personal about it, yep. I, I guess I could say. Uh, In middle school, I went to a Protestant middle school, Okay, and during that time, uh, on one hand, there were a couple of opportunities that I had to encounter Jesus. Um, I remember once they had a a kind of a preaching and an altar call type thing Mm -hmm. and feeling the movement within me, but at the same time being like, I can't go up there because I I, really I was convicted of my own sin. I'm like, I I know that I need to go to confession. There was something about that that was ingrained in me. And yet at the same time, there was lots of questions that were being raised as I was hearing these Protestant preachers, good men, really good men, um, good men and women that mm-hmm. lived their faith, and it was joyful, and it was beautiful, and it was biblical. I just had honest questions and didn't really have a lot of answers and didn't really have anybody in my life that I could turn to for those answers. And so um, I remember being a freshman in high school and saying to my mom, Mom, I don't really want to be Catholic anymore. Yeah. And she said, well, as long as you're in this house, you're going to go and Mass with me on Sunday. I was like, well, okay, fine. Rules are rules. But there was almost this like interior desire of, hmm. when I go off to college, the first thing I want to do is find a different church. Now, that was said as a freshman in high school. Uh, about six months later, I went on uh, a retreat called Catholic Art Work Camp hmm. um, with my Catholic youth group that I didn't know very many people. Um, I knew my youth minister a little bit. Um, but it was during that week that... Um, one, on one hand, I started asking some questions, and I started getting answers for things, yeah. uh, which was beautiful. And then the other was just, I'm um, coming to know the love of the Father for me mm. and His mercy. And um, there was one particular night, I just remember praying, and um, kind of everybody was kind of praying. It was in the midst of song, and just knowing His love for me that was so profound and so real— And it felt incredible. And at 14 years old, it was this, I have never experienced anything like this before. Wow.
1: Isn't it amazing how like you can have no experience of that and, and then it's that, I mean, just to say it felt incredible, like the... It's got to be an act of God, right? That the the Holy Spirit stirs inside of the the soul something that you've never experienced before, mm-hmm. and it's so neat, like to watch with at Catholic Youth Summer Camp or on retreat or at a uh, Catholic Heart Work Camp to watch a young person for that first time, like the Holy Spirit stir something inside of them that had been there, right, because of their baptism, but it becomes it's like it's unleashed. The love of God is unleashed in their life. I just love. Hearing about that and watching it in a young person's eyes and their face and their, their heart when it's happening. That's so cool.
0: Way to go, Catholic Heartwork Camp. You guys are doing a great job. Yeah. Keep it up. <laughs> they have so
1: many. It's just amazing that they have such a drive to— young people are compelled uh, to, to serve. Uh, yeah, they may not absolutely. be compelled to— um, go to adoration initially, right? But they're compelled to service often. And so Catholic Heart Work Camp does such a good job. And there's a few other programs like that out there that to to evangelize the youth through service. And I find adults, too, we, we don't do this enough, where you can actually evangelize adults by giving them opportunities to serve first and then evangelize. I say Catholic social services should be one of our greatest evangelization tools. And I don't think it always Absolutely. is because first of all, we're reaching out to the, the poor and the needy. Are we evangelizing them while we're reaching out to them? But then also, are we utilizing the, 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 the common humanity in us? to appeal to the mass Catholics who may be unengaged, to engage them in service, and then to evangelize those volunteers. And there's so much potential there. Let's get Dang back it. to Father James. I know. That's got to be an episode someday, because
0: that's good. <laughs> oh, good. Dan, it's good to hear your passion. Um, awesome. So, Father James, you're at Catholic Heart Work Camp. You've got this, this fire that's been lit in you now. And what was what was your response? What did you, you do with that?
2: It, it was, for me, it, it, you know, the, if I could say this, the years of middle school were just— awful. Um, I, if I were to ever have...
1: that, every middle schooler ever. No, exactly. I mean,
2: honestly, if I were to have my own sons and daughters, obviously I don't because I'm a priest. But if I were, I would say to them every single day, you just got to live. Like, just make it. We'll deal with all the psychological damage later. <laughs> so seriously, though, I mean, it, I was just in a very low place. And having that, um, encountering the love of the Father, as well as being convicted of my sin, which is... First off, it's just incredible that on one hand we can experience love and on another hand we can experience the, the the reality of sin and the desire for mercy and the desire mm-hmm. for forgiveness. And they're all simultaneous. Oh, you know? and, yeah. and it's not you know, it's not one or the other. It's both combined. And there's something just beautiful about that. So being able to go to confession and really make a complete confession. And it from there it was this, I need more of this. I need to understand this better i want to know my faith i want to encounter the lord again i want him to be a part of my life Hmm. and it was from there of just this i'm okay i'm going to be active in the youth group i'm going to help out in different ways i'm going to let go of other extracurricular activities that i had been doing because this is the one thing that i want yeah and i just knew it at that early of an age which is kind of shocking
1: could you share maybe how through high school, because I think some of our listeners, they they may have kids that are involved in youth group programs. How did you grow through high school and through youth ministry? Because I, I see sometimes kids get involved in youth ministry and they, they kind of just go through the motions uh, throughout high school and they're not actually growing towards mm. a vocation.
2: Mm. Yeah, um, I would say that on one hand, it I, it, was, it started through just attending events of Every time there was a youth group, I would go. Um, but it also meant I wanted, I, there was this hunger and thirst of, I want to know. And so I would reach out to my youth minister, and we would have conversations about all of my questions, um, as well as any retreat. I was there. Um, if there was a, a middle school confirmation retreat, I wanted to help out with it. And, and that, you know, going to give a talk for the first time as a high school student, being terrified and not being able to look in people's faces because I was so nervous. Yeah. But that experience still of doing it and the joy that it was and the gift that it was of I can I can actually do something on behalf of God and mm-hmm. that can have an impact on somebody.
1: When I found like that's Aaron and I have a very common experience too in high school where we are given opportunities to to take on leadership like you just mentioned and I think sometimes That's what activates in a a young person a a call to a life of ministry, right? That, hey, I just gave that talk and, you know, what God used me and I saw the impact it had on others. Wow, maybe I want to make that kind of an impact on others for the rest of my life.
2: (laughs) Exactly. And I would say that ability to impact someone else, especially if I could say spiritually, there's not a feeling on this earth like it. Mm -hmm. That, that, That someone comes and thanks you and says, you made a tremendous difference in my life and it just yeah i mean that's that's the whole idea yeah. of spiritual fatherhood i would say yeah is uh being able to impact someone else in a spiritual way it doesn't get any better yeah
1: so parents, if, if your kids are, are getting kind of uh, complacent in youth ministry, sometimes maybe the opportunity you want to look for is to give them more leadership in it, right? That uh, I think sometimes we can become consumeristic in, yeah. in the sense yeah. of like, okay, I need to go to this event and this event and this and this. And, and then. But the more we start giving, that's really when we start growing.
0: Yeah. Well, and Dan, at the start of the show, we were talking about how the, how the, the reality is that um, we believe here at Damascus that, that events are impactful. And that, and that engaging in activities that actually just expose you to the truth of the faith, they, they make a difference. Mm. So uh, sometimes it's, I, I know even for me now, it's hard as a father sometimes to see that occasionally my kids need someone other than me to speak a message of life into them. Oh, yeah. Right? That I, I need to send them over to to. Dan's house right I need to send him to a retreat it's it's funny uh we, we are blessed we're blessed here at Damascus that I and my family actually live here on site, so my kids day in and day out they experience every single retreat that comes through the doors and uh, we have we just had a spectacular experience last year sending Leah and Dan had the same with Sophia to camp for the first time. Leah and Sophia have been around camp since they were able to walk and before that actually I think well, Leah was here when she was four days old. How was yeah. Sophia, how old was Sophia? <laughs> uh, a couple months, <laughs> I, I think. Leah got her beat, and uh, you know, the, the experience that they had being able to experience something for themselves was just was just awesome and powerful. So, parents, if you if you are looking for help, um, seek out seek out that retreat at your parish, seek out that summer camp, seek out that uh, you know that that service trip, and um, see if see if maybe you could convince a a reticent young. Um, young pup to 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 tackle an adventure that might be outside of their comfort zone mm-hmm. see what happens
1: that's awesome so father when you were you went to franciscan and what kind of can you share maybe a little bit of what compelled you to join the servants and what led you to uh, uh, you know the priesthood
2: sure so i went off to franciscan with a desire to love the lord and serve the lord and grow in my faith and mm-hmm. learn more i wanted to study theology um, but I wasn't sure at all about a vocation. I had had a bunch of people that had said that, hey, you should really think about it. And there was finally some openness after it first being like, absolutely not, don't ever tell me that, that you should be a priest. <laughs> but it was, um, you know, being all over the map and just waking up one day and being like, yeah, I think I'm going to be a priest, and waking up the next day and be like, no, I'm going to marry that girl over there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, honest to God, that's really what it was. Oh, yeah. So I... Um, I would say the consistent learning to consistently pray and finding a spiritual director. I remember Father John Ignatius, who was then a layman at the time, happened to be my dorm director. Hmm. I remember having one good conversation with him and second semester, freshman year, just realizing I need a spiritual director. I've heard that he does this. And so going to him and saying, do you do spiritual direction? He's like, yes. He's like, can you be mine? Cause I need someone to just kick my butt and make sure that I pray and hold me accountable as well as just to teach me really how to pray. And so we started to meet and, um, I would say week after week we would meet and the Holy Spirit would show up in just a profound way that both of us knew, wow, there is something happening here. Mm-hmm. And it was such a gift and a grace to, um, encounter that and to, have him pass along so much wisdom, so much experience, so much knowledge um his fatherhood in my life and and from there's just sparked this I would love to do for someone else what Father John has done for me. Yeah. And that desire to give and you know be fruitful in a spiritual way. Um so I met the community started when I was a sophomore in high school. I was not at the point where I could uh, really be open to the possibility of that yet. I was, I think I was dating at the time when they took their first vows and yet feeling this pull, but like, I started dating this girl. Oh, gosh, oh, yeah. it was complicated. And uh, <laughs> Like most seminarians. Exactly, exactly. So, and and just, uh, but really appreciating them and always having admiration and respect. And um, at the end of my senior year, going on a silent eight-day spiritual exercises retreat um, that was not directed by the servants, but... Um, Two people that were very familiar with the servants and kind of did it in a very similar style. And it was on that retreat that I went to the Lord about my vocation. And he told me of his love for me and his grace and who I was as his beloved son. And from there, over time, flowed this, yes, I'm calling you to priesthood. Mm. Yes, I'm calling you to religious life. Um, and I'm also asking you to wait so that you can develop and mature some. So what he invited me to was to become a missionary down in Honduras in Central America. And during that time, I uh, continued to serve and seek the Lord, uh, and kept in touch with Father John and Father Paul. And from there, um, ended up joining the community at the beginning of 2009, about a year and a half after I graduated college.
1: Wow, what what did you do down in Honduras?
2: Yeah, so I was a, a lay missionary with a group called the Missioners of Christ. Um, they have a, uh, a community that's based in Virginia Beach. And they also have this mission down in Honduras, and they do a lot of work in evangelization with youth and young adults, giving retreats, as well as working um, with priests down there that are in charge of a lot of sacraments for a huge territory. And so sometimes the local Honduran people get mass once a month, once well, every six yeah. months. And so we would go bring a priest with us from the United States and go down and be on mission for a week of catechizing and evangelizing and equipping them and trying to, uh, in particular, focus on the youth to have that encounter. Yeah. Uh, It was a beautiful, beautiful thing, uh, an incredible opportunity. Demanding, exhausting, but (laughs) I wouldn't trade it for anything.
0: That's amazing. (laughs) That's awesome. Father James, if you could, uh, you know, what are— I I love seeing you operate as a priest. I love seeing the way that you love the men and women here at Damascus. Mm. And I wonder if, for our listeners— Um, You could just witness for a moment to what is it about the priesthood that brings you to life? Hmm.
2: Yes, that um, that gift to be able to provide uh, direction and clarity. Yeah, I I think the spiritual life can sometimes be so confusing of when we pray of what's going on in my prayer because Mm -hmm. it's all in my head, and and it's you know this at its worst our prayer can become this mental exercise. And always this this question of like, am I making these thoughts up? Yep. Or is this God speaking to me? And so um, being able to be there in the place of, of of a father that's able to look and say, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, no, you're not crazy. Um, <laughs> that sounds authentic and that doesn't. Yep. Because of the signs and because of the, the ways that you know that the way the, the Lord works and the way that he doesn't work. And so being able to, um, whether that's in confession um whether that's in spiritual direction to be a father for someone of okay, those are lies that you're believing, um, and to lead them to that place, or wow, that's really profound. Yeah. You need to go a little bit deeper here. Uh that that ability to to be in the place of a father and to love in in such a unique way. Um especially I would say in confession, people will tell you things that they have not told anyone before. And so being able to be that that person for them to say, thank you so much for bringing this into the light in a, in a sacred safe way. Yeah. And at the same time, you are still loved. You are still valued by God. And he has, he has a plan.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. I was father. I was speaking this morning to our missionaries. I was, I was leading a session on um, the healing of the heart. And as I was, as I was reflecting and, and prayerfully preparing for this session today, God was really convicting me about how amazing it is to be a dad, hmm. and um, I, I'm sure parents that are listening today, there are some days that are better than others, and some days where that uh, where that the, those moments are maybe maybe easier or harder to find. But as I was as I was preparing today, that those those words kept coming to my heart. That it's my it's my single greatest joy. To yes, to prepare to to raise to defend um, to fight for my kids, and uh, you know, I, I think that I'll, I'll I'll point the finger at myself. Like I don't I don't see my priests in that place often enough, mm. and it's so good to hear you just really. Um, capturing that heart of a father for, for your children. And I count myself as one of them. So Thanks it's for a, you yeah, it's a, it's a blessing to be able to hear. Thank you for sharing that aspect of your vocation.
1: I love that. You know, we hear priests talk about spiritual fatherhood a lot. What do, What is that? What what resonates the most with spiritual fatherhood with you?
2: I, I think the, the ability to say, uh, kind of a, as what you said, Aaron, of being able to defend and protect and... Um, educate and guide and form. Um, there is a spiritual life. There is, you know, our, our, the seed of faith that is given to us in baptism. It needs to grow and it needs to be given the context and everything that it needs, um, for the proper growth. And so being able to kind of like the Lord is in this soul that is in front of me. Mm -hmm. And it's just a matter of bringing that out and guarding it from what is evil and being able to provide the clarity and the insight so that it can really thrive. Uh, that ability and and it 's not you know not that it 's separated somehow from the person, yeah. but just being able to love this soul that 's in front of me um as uh as a father as a human being, and yet loving in a way that is uh it is just godly and pure yep. it's yep. it 's a love unlike any other and and it 's yeah I love that a great gift.
1: You know, I think it's so neat because the more we give, the more we're filled, right? And uh, it's in giving that we receive, as as uh, the prayer of St. Francis says. And I think just going back to that whole notion of uh, that we started with, is, as your community, it, it pours out. And because of that, your community is being richly blessed. And I just love how... Mission oriented, you are as a community. What's the maybe in in your ministry as a priest? What have been some of have you seen some individual like lives transformed or those like conversions uh, that have taken place or people that you've seen just come into a deep relationship with Jesus? Maybe are there any stories that come to mind about someone's life getting blessed?
2: Uh, sure. You know, I, I, uh, I taught, this was actually when I was a brother. Um, so I was a brother, Brother James Claver, and I was teaching at, at a high school in Denver. And just, I, I was teaching all of the sophomores, it was their sophomore theology class that they're required to, uh, to take. And being able to see what's going on in hearts, you know, as you're teaching on the fatherhood of God or on mm. the mercy of God, realizing like there's something going on in this soul. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go and talk to them. Pulling them after class, and and particularly I would say my last year teaching as a brother before I went on to seminary, I just became very, very close with that class. It was almost once a week that I was pulling a student aside and saying, hey, let's go to the chapel and let's pray. And I'll never forget one kid saying... um, yeah, you pulled me into the room, and I don't even think we went into the chapel. We just went in like one of these back closets, so to speak, and pulled out a Bible, and I just prayed a prayer of surrender with him. And he said, This was years later. He said, That was the moment of my conversion, you praying with me, that I knew that the Lord loved me for the first time in my life. Mm. And it was just like, Wow, I don't know that I entirely remember everything about that moment, but, but, um, so I, I would say that and, and, and even more so as a priest of when I was teaching, seeing the same thing happen and being able to say, Okay, um there's something going on in you. Do you want to go to confession? It seems like there's sin that's an obstacle right now. Like I can do something for you, I can help you with this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then just being able to say, Yeah, let's let's do it. And they would go to confession and just the freedom and the release that happens. Um, in, I mean, if I could just say, there are so many miracles that happen in the Sacrament of Confession. I wish I could share them with you, but it wouldn't be proper or right. <laughs> but even here at Damascus, gosh, the confessions have just been out of this world. I will witness
0: to that personally, and <laughs> as I walk down the hall every day, I, I just this morning, I thought, man, this this uh, our little hospitality room would be a great place for me to have a meeting, and... It was unavailable (laughs) yet again. (laughs) the captives
1: were being set free. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Um, That's awesome. So the Equip Conference with our missionaries is about equipping them uh, to do the works of ministry, right? And to really grow and equip uh, young people in the gifts and the charisms of the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, maybe could you share a little bit about how the charisms of the Holy Spirit are incorporated into your community life and how they bless your guys as priesthood?
2: Yes, absolutely. I I would say that... um, there is a. I think you mentioned this earlier. Sometimes there is a tendency as Catholics that we consume, and and we can be in this place of, I'm consuming God, or I'm coming to prayer. Sometimes even with this consumption mentality, mentality, what is God going to say to me, um, and what is, what is He asking of me, rather than um, how how can I be set forth, and so I can say that um, the gifts and the charisms are opportunities for us to activate what it is that we receive that. Yes, we are um, receivers in the liturgy in the terms of receiving the Word of God and, and receiving uh, the, the Most Holy Eucharist, but we are sent out. And so um, the ability, I would say, that the gifts of the charisms for us really manifest when we are um, alongside young people on retreat. We really try to activate people and to also um, exercise the gifts of particularly prophecy and praying with people mm-hmm. of saying, hey, this is something that is not just abstract. This is something personal. Yeah. And whenever we can establish that personal relationship with that student, as well as to personally be able to speak into their lives of saying, I feel like God wants you to know this. And it, it allows the, the lights to go on and allows that, that encounter moment. Um, and it is just so life-giving for us of um, having someone that we're able to pour into and able to affect.
1: Yeah. It's so neat hearing you like mention the, the student that you reached out to after class, or I think so often someone, uh, the Holy spirit highlights someone to us and we're like, eh, it'd be weird if I go talk to that person. Oh, well, or if they want to talk to me, they'll come to me. Right. And I think that, um the the Holy Spirit is that green light that says "Go <laughs> like go love like exactly if if, you, if he's highlighting someone to you and if you if you're compelled to share a word with them or to ask them if they want prayer there's there's probably something happening inside of you or mm. someone happening inside of you that is compelling you and um and to to take action on that is in it, in, a, in and of itself a grace uh, that's amazing
0: so good okay uh, friends we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we will wrap up with Father James. We'll talk about a little bit more about the servants of Christ Jesus and maybe how you can, if you are interested, uh, get in touch with them. And um, who knows? Maybe we're even sparking a little interest in a potential young man um, in, in taking a look at this congregation. So if that's you, keep your ears open. Thanks for joining us. This is Beyond Damascus. Once again, we will be right back after the break. God bless.
1: The Wisdom of Mother Angelica. Have you ever been so grief-stricken and so heart-sick that you can't see God? You can't see God in the tragedy. You can't see God in that cross. You can't see God in that sick Why? You're enveloped in that grief. You're enveloped in fear. And God is out the window. You don't see Him standing right next to you. EWTN.
0: Live Truth. Live Catholic.
1: Looking for a 2020 view on how Catholics are voting in the upcoming election?
0: EWTN News and Real Clear Opinion Research are partnering to bring you clear and concise data on where the nation stands on
2: issues, candidates, policies, and more by surveying Americans, including Catholics like you. And it's available now at EWTNNews.com forward slash poll.
0: She was a mystic and reformer who died at the age of 33. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Catherine of Siena accomplished something no one thought possible. She convinced Pope Gregory XI to return to Rome after the popes had lived in France from almost the whole of the 14th century. They've been there ever since. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. And welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio carried across the global EWTN Catholic Radio Network. Thanks for joining us for today's show. It has been, once again, an amazing show about evangelization. Our favorite topic, Dan. And, we like to talk about evangelization. <laughs> um, and thanks for joining us too, Father James. Uh, Father James Claver is a uh, servant of Christ Jesus in Denver, Colorado. Joining us here for our Equip Conference at Damascus, it's been an awesome show. And Father, you said something earlier that I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to reflect on. Um, you said that one of those primary calls that you experienced in your own life as you were discerning priesthood was that you want to be able to do for others what, in this case, your spiritual director uh, had done for you. Yes. And as, as, I, as I heard those words earlier, I was really moved that this is such a profound and beautiful way of describing what is the heart of, I think, how, how the Lord moves in the human heart yes. and pushes us toward this call to evangelization. Yes, you know uh, I think probably any vocation could be summed up in this way that uh, that I had an authentic encounter with the Lord Jesus, maybe it was sparked through. A radio show. Put in a shameless plug. Maybe it was sparked through <laughs> a summer camp. Another shameless plug. <laughs> Man, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Maybe it was sparked through Dan's book. Maybe it was <laughs> spark- no, no. So uh, you know, we have we have these moments of encounter with a person who inspires us by by their humble response to what the Lord is calling them in their life. And I know for me, I know Dan for you, I, I know for well, Father for you, that it it, it began with. I want to be like that person when I grow up you know absolutely I, I I want to be able to do what that person did um for others for the church uh for me right and and it's 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 putting ourselves in those places that can allow us to truly experience the the call that Jesus has on our lives to be to be that spark of transformation yeah. um powerful stuff okay
1: that's really awesome I love that I think too father it's, it's interesting that you're primary postulate now is is where you were fed the most. So like you yes. were fed through spiritual direction and now you're a spiritual director. Yes. I wonder, listeners, if, if you reflect on who were the people or what were the experiences and the events in my life that impacted me the most... And if you're trying to discern how you're called to impact others, maybe the secret lies in how you were impacted, because it, it it was probably because you were impacted through spiritual direction. God was indicating to you that there was something about you that you were made to direct others spiritually. You know, like there's absolutely, a, there's a pastor in you that he was he was awakening during that. And I think maybe if you got really lit up at a, a presentation sometime, maybe that means that God's awakening an evangelist in you. And there's something you want to speak to that a little bit
2: yeah i mean i i think um that I'm, I'm sure that you've seen this again and again in uh, especially with your summer staff and your your counselors the ways that they are moved during the course of especially this week of equip conference yeah the lord sends them campers throughout the rest of the summer that are in need of that so for example if uh for, you know they they feel this this uh this tension of uh, there is there's sins that I feel like I cannot be forgiven from, yep. like or I can't move past. I'm never going to be able to overcome. Crossing that threshold with the Lord allows them to be able to minister exactly to those kids, mm-hmm. and that is is the way that it works. The way that I am loved um, is the very way that I give that love. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's a good word. Amen. So good. Okay, Father, to wrap it up, how can we get in touch with the servants of Christ Jesus if maybe the Lord has planted a spark in the heart of any young gentleman um, or any aspiring grandmother who has a heart for your young gentleman?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I would say the primary way is our websites. uh, Or you could just Google us, servants of Christ Jesus. Our website is scjesus.org. We have just a bunch of information about us pictures, and so Fantastic. forth.
0: Mm-hmm. scjesus.org. That's awesome. <laughs> That's a good website. Yes. Father, S-C-Jesus. thank you for joining us on today's show. Thank we're, you so we're, much. We're blessed to have you. Um, listeners, thank you for joining us on today's show. It's It's been a joy to share this time with you, and as to, to re-echo what Dan was just saying, um, as we respond to what is the way that God has moved in our lives— let us be ready to listen with a hearing heart. Um, let us be, let, let us be ready to listen to how it is that God might be speaking to us about the way that we were made to love. You know, the way that we receive love is often the way that we are called to give love. And, uh, our, our prayer for you today as we close is that Lord Jesus, you would come into the lives of every single one of our listeners that you would awaken in us a new sense of receptivity to the love that you have poured out toward us. God, allow us to say yes to you. Allow us to be loved by you. And Jesus, as, as we've spoken about a number of times in today's show, give us the opportunity, Lord, to see those invitations to events or to a retreat or to a service or a mission project. Give us the grace to respond, in such a way that our heart will be moved toward mission. Father, would you close us by giving us your blessing?
2: Sure, the Lord be with you. And And with with your your spirit. Spirit. And may Almighty God bless you, and the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks Thanks be be to to
0: God. Friends, thank you for joining us for today's show. Beyond Damascus, once again, is the show where encounter meets mission. And if you're interested in checking out today's show on the recording, or if you'd like to see or here, rather. I guess you could see your podcast screen. You could look at our shining faces <laughs> for the next hour. Um, check us out wherever podcasts are able to be found or downloaded. Um, we've got we've got a, a heck of an archive there um, full of truly life-changing encounters. Check us out here at Damascus. Visit us online at damascus.net to get in touch with any of the programs or events that we are offering here. And as always, Saint I'm sorry, as always Beyond Damascus is a co-production of Saint Gabriel here in Columbus, Ohio and EWTN Radio. We are carried all across the global EWTN Catholic Radio Network and we will see you all again next week. God bless. Have a great day.